Guess what, friends? This episode of Not Too Deep is sponsored by our buddies over at Squarespace. Woohoo! Yeah, they say a dream is just a great idea that doesn't have a website yet. Very profound. Make it a reality with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a unique website. You can showcase your work. You can blog or publish content, even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. And with 24-7 award-winning customer support, you can customize everything from look and feel to settings and products using beautiful templates created by world-class designers and there is nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. So head to squarespace.com for your free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code GRACE, my name, G-R-A-C-E, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hi, Jack Ferry. Hi, Grace Helbig. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm very excited for this episode of Not Too Deep. Not that I'm not ever not excited. <laughs> yeah, but, but this is a very good episode. This is, we have, uh, if you guys can't already tell from the title, we have Maya Bialik on, which I always think I'm saying her name wrong, which I'm sure is just everyone's par for the I think course. that's right. Maya Bialik. Maya yeah. Bialik. I think that's how you pronounce uh, it. She was absolutely incredible. So, she really is. So she's literally on vocal rest, but took time off of vocal rest to come hang out and just talk to us for a straight hour. So that's a trooper. Yeah. God bless. Uh, and she also just does so much effortlessly good things for the world and for herself. And like just her introspection is really cool. And this episode for warning for a good, a good thing got kind of deep in yeah. a really great way. It's interesting too, because she's one of these people that I'm like, how do you find the time to exactly. blog? Uh, write multiple books, um, be a neuroscientist, yeah. mother, and actor on a very successful sitcom. On like the number one comedy sitcom right yeah. now. Yeah, it's, and also a YouTuber. <laughs> and just grounded and normal and very cool at yeah. the same time. It's very inspiring. Uh, I was very nervous to talk to her because she is so intelligent. Yeah. But she, you, I mean, you know that she's intelligent, but she, like, I can't say another word other than grounded. She's just yeah. cool and she doesn't like... Approachable. Yeah, 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 it was really, really wonderful. So that's coming up. But first, let's talk about the Earth. Earth Day is coming up on April 22nd. So we want to talk about the ways that you can take care of the Earth, which uh, we didn't... Um, we talked about this on This Might Get with Mamrie and I mm. a little bit. We talked about recycling and just went through like how... Yeah, I saw that. That's crazy. How you can't like recycle shredded paper. Yeah. There's That's a, crazy. There's a lot of really specifics on how you can recycle. And also like there's a lot of easy ways to recycle. But, you know, certain types of paper, certain types of string. It yeah, was... Um, like wet paper. Can't recycle yeah, wet paper. Can't recycle wet paper. All that stuff. Um, So really fun. But also I like Earth Day because it's just a friendly reminder that, um, you know take care of the place that you're trying to survive on. Yeah, I And it's agree. A, an important moment in time, I think, to make sure that we continue to try to pivot and make sure that we're actually doing all we can. Watch the docs. I don't oh, have, yeah. you know, we're not a fact-based <laughs> podcast No, no, for we're you. pure emotions on Not Too Deep. That's true. That's um, true. What do it, you think you do, Jack, on a regular basis that's like good for, that you're conscious of? Um, I don't shower. So that's my contribution. Uh, I try to take short showers. I started counting to 100 when I take a shower. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like in my head um, for two reasons. One, not to waste water, but also to hurry 
the fuck up because I take way too long to get ready in the See, mornings. I've never been a long <laughs> shower. Brooks does. He'll sit down in the shower for like a half hour and I'm in I would and if out I in could. two minutes. I love the feeling of hot water on my body. So I would if I could, but I've just, um, so that's something that I tried. Like I'm, I'm much more aware. I think also, especially living in Los Angeles, yeah. aware of how I use water. Yeah. You know, like turning off the faucet when I'm mm-hmm. shaving between, you know, cleaning off the brush or um, cleaning off the uh, razor or, uh, brushing my teeth, et cetera. So I'm much more aware of that. I know that I could do better. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think also the thing about Los Angeles too, which is, is you, you just, you suddenly realize how many freaking cars there are. Oh yeah. When you fly into Los Angeles, you can visibly see uh, a haze that exists yeah. over the city because of air pollution. Yeah. I believe that is called smog. Smog. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bonkers. And so, I think that's something that we definitely need to do better about. But honestly, like, you know, you and I are both from New York. Yeah. And what was so great about that city is as much as we love to complain about the MTA, the subway is pretty great. Oh, public transportation is uh, something that's sorely missed in Los Angeles. Yeah. It's like really bad. And like they have it, but it's very, very very limited. Yeah. Like you can get pretty much anywhere you need to go in New York via the transit system Mm -hmm. pretty reliably, fairly quickly. Yeah. It's an old system. So it's like it breaks down a lot and it's often really slow, especially on nights and weekends. But you can still pretty much get anywhere you need to get. Yeah. Here, uh, if there's traffic, you're just screwed. Yeah. There's just nothing you can do. Yeah. That's why my brother will never move out of Boston or that area because he doesn't want to own a car. Yeah. He doesn't want that environmental responsibility. Have you ever tried driving in Boston? Driving in Boston is even worse than here. I can't even imagine. (laughs) It's a nightmare. Yeah, I'm sure. All those old, like, colonial streets. Oh, yeah. Uh, No thanks. But, yeah, he's he's really conscious of his carbon footprint and doesn't want to contribute to it. So... Kudos, Tim. You're better than me once yeah. again. I mean, I was thinking about getting like a fuel efficient car, but I actually thought I could solve two birds at one or hit two birds at one stone mm-hmm. if I uh, get a motorcycle, oh. which are very, um, you know, much more fuel efficient. You uh-huh. can get many more miles to the gallon because, you know, you're just, it's a bike with just you and your backpack. Yeah. Uh, and also, I can avoid more traffic by going around cars. Oh, man. I honestly, for the first time, this is, I've always been kind of a scared of motorcycles. And for the first time this year, weirdly enough, I was like, what if I got a motorcycle? That'd yeah. be cool. We should start a motorcycle gang. Well, now we're getting <laughs> off of the main topic of Earth Day, but... Well, I we can, can start we can start running guns. This is great. If you yeah. watch Sons of Anarchy, this is perfect. I've seen clips. Uh, <laughs> they ride their motorcycles. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can see you taking many selfies in front of a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't you? On the motorcycle, Absolutely. next to the motorcycle. It's an aesthetic, for yeah, sure. for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, let's make Earth Day every day. Yes, Earth Day is coming up, and so we think it's important for us to just, you know, remind you guys. If you, I mean, sure, you're going to see it all over social media anyway, but it's important, I think, to have a day every year. Hopefully, people are conscious more than one day a year, but just as a little friendly wink, wink, nudge, nudge from Mother Earth saying, hey, take care of me. Yeah. I take care of you. It's it's great that we have a day where it's uh, we're sort of forced to think about it, because I think a lot of us do, I think, yeah. and, and it's helped me. Think about um, ways to be just just even more conscious yeah. of the way I consume and recycle, etc. Yeah, I think it's great. So happy Earth Day to everyone out there. Yep. Uh, happy Earth Day to the Earth. And I mean, we'll just get into it because one of the most conscious people I've met in a long time 
is Maya Bialik. Yes. And so let's just jump right into this interview with Maya Bialik and all the ways that she is wonderful. And she probably hates that we are saying things like that because she's very, very humble in a way that is so sweet. It's like alarming how humble she is. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you're extremely successful. You should have an enormous ego. No, and she doesn't. And And I think she would panic if she ever did or even started to. So uh, we're just now fangirling and boying (laughs) all over this wonderful human. So let's jump right in to Not Too Deep with Maya Bialik. Support for today's show comes from our good buddies at Squarespace. The crowd goes wild. Think it, dream it, make it with Squarespace. Wow, that sounded very Kanye West of you. Thank you. You're welcome. With the beautiful templates (laughs) that they have that are created by world-class designers, Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a new and unique website. You can customize everything from look and feel to settings and products. All of it optimized for mobile right out of the box. They got you covered. With built-in SEO, search engine optimization. Yeah, look, you can showcase your work. You can blog or publish content. You can announce a special project. You can even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. Then you can use Squarespace's analytics to help you grow in real time. And if you're concerned at all, there is nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. But if you do stumble and you've got a question, no big deal because Squarespace's award-winning 24-7 customer support is there to help you out. And Jack has experience because he's built many a website via Squarespace and you haven't had any issues. I haven't so far, but it's nice to know it's there in case I do. So keep dreaming, but make it a reality with a website from Squarespace. Head on over to squarespace.com for your free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code GRACE, G-R-A-C-E to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com, offer code GRACE. Thanks, buddies. Thanks, friends. (laughs) We're going, we're set. We are good. Sweet. We're here with Maya. Hey. Um, Hey. Hi. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, I was doing a deep dive into all things Maya yesterday, (laughs) and I realized... That you use social media pretty heavily. I do. You sound surprised. No, I'm. I'm always surprised. Well, because I uh, and we could chat about this a little bit. Have to kind of balance. I love and I'm addicted to my phone, probably in a negative way. Uh, but I always find that a lot of people, especially that are more in the traditional space uh, or just have roots in the traditional space, don't use social media as much. And when I was looking at your stuff, I was like, I think that's a nice way of saying like old people usually don't do it. I was, it's nice (laughs) way of saying I relate to you because I'm like, she's all over her gram today. Look at this. I like, I saw your green juice this morning. (laughs) I was like, she is really, and I loved it because it made me feel like, oh, I know who you are. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I'm one of those people who's really like, obviously known for being on TV or whatever. Um, But also, you know, in the time between being a a child actor, which I was, Mm -hmm. I took 12 years off. Right. And then I came back. I went to school. But during the time that I was off from the industry, that's actually when I started writing and blogging in the early days of mommy blogging. Right, right, right. And this was literally like when I wrote for Feller, when it was just like starting up. So I actually sort of cultivated a voice for having opinions about things that I had opinions about. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. That was before before people were on Twitter. It was before Instagram yeah. even existed. So it's kind of funny that I've found a way to kind of combine that with more of the modern um, yeah. you know, social media. I was never on MySpace. Like, I was going to say, where were thing. you blogging? Were you on Tumblr? No, I was blogging. Um, honestly, I was blogging for Kveller. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like 
like the Today Show would ask me to write pieces on oh, parents. Really? Like just like random, random kind of newsy things where they love to be like, my Bialik doesn't spank her children. Oh my God, you know? <laughs> so like that, be- that became titles. a thing. Yeah. Exactly, and it's true. Like I don't spank my children. So that became, you know, a thing. And, and then, you know, I wrote a book on being a parent, which right. I wasn't looking, like again, this was not, this was before the internet was like even a way to sell your book. Like right, that's what's right, so right. funny. So it feels like I've sort of, you know, hit this intersection of like, the thoughts that people care to hear me talk about uh-huh. and then a world of social media where there's like this platform for it. Um, but I think what's what's really neat about my love for social media is that even though people think of me as like serious and cerebral and uh-huh. I, I write deep things and I, you know, make these YouTube videos about like all these things that are controversial and sure. Fox News picks them up. I'm actually also like a normal person. Like that's what I mean. I think yeah. things are funny <laughs> when I see them or like trees are pretty. And so like I really <laughs> I like I really like the format of Instagram. Yeah. I, I I also, you know, I have a big following on Facebook, which tends to be my you know, ask, like, where older do demographic, you, yeah, but sure. it's yeah. just different. You know, where do you find yourself? So I'm right now I'm a big Twitter, Instagram person, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but it fluctuates, obviously, as like everything kind of, you know, evolves. But do you spend most of your time on Instagram and Facebook? I would say that Instagram mm-hmm. is where like that sort of. If I were to put something on my home, I don't have any social media on my homepage of my phone okay. because I feel like it's like a conscious way to not make that my go to. It's very smart. But if I were to choose one, it would be Instagram okay. because also it's the way that I see, you know, the people that I follow. Right. It's how I see their lives and their world. Um, Twitter, I have spent a lot of time on Twitter, but. You know, to be perfectly honest, it was not good for my blood pressure. Twitter can be very toxic. It was very bad for me. Yeah. And I'm, <laughs> I'm part of what's wrong with Twitter in that, you know, especially with politics. Like, yeah. I was like getting into it with people and... And and then it just like it can become Oof. so hostile and dirty, oh, and then yeah. it was just making me feel yucky very quickly too. Yeah, yeah like knee, yeah. knee jerk, nasty. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then you know, and I had an experience where I wrote a piece for the New York Times, mm-hmm. which was very well received by most people. Yeah, and very poorly received by a small portion of very vocal, very people, vocal people, which I totally get. And like the apology I issued was so heartfelt because, but. That really shifted my concept as it has for a lot of us that like one thing lifted out of context Mm -hmm. then gets picked up by people who haven't even read the original thing and then it just takes off. It's wildfire. And that was really hard. So Facebook is the place where I do, I, you know, I post videos and I post Mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, deeper thoughts or bigger pieces. My website, Grok Nation. Right. I use Facebook to kind of promote articles that I've written or that other writers have written that I think our audience would like. But most of my engagement comes from Facebook. And that's sort Mm. of what like my team has found in their stats. Yeah. Is that like I both have a lot of like interest in like the fun things and like a lot of followers on Instagram, but also a lot of engagement from people who also want to talk about deep stuff that's old people things you know but that's great i think that's a nice balance right is because it makes you approachable and i think makes you more fun to follow is that you do have these deep profound thoughts on things but then you also are like here's my lunch right and without like here's presented without comments yeah i'm also i'm also a geek which you know a lot of people are like oh you play a geek on tv (laughs) no i'm actually i'm a genuine nerd and a geek those are two different things so yeah a lot of my life especially like as a 
a mom of two geek boys. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of my life is about all the geek things I'm into and comic book stuff and superhero stuff. And that's Star awesome. Wars and, yeah. And so for me, like Instagram is fun for that. You that's, know, is there someone that you follow that's like a guilty pleasure to follow? Like <laughs> I follow a wide variety of animals on Instagram. <laughs> I had to unfollow Mr. Pokey, this hedgehog that travels the globe. Too He's, much promotion. No, he was amazing. Um, Too much merch. It was a lot of merch. Yeah. A lot of merch. <laughs> and then he started doing um, diff eyewear sunglasses promotion. I was like, he's a hedgehog, guys. Come on. Come on. And I had to know your brand. But I do check in every now and then just to make sure he's still he's still I have, doing it. I have followed different animals, mm-hmm. but um I I did. Like I've I've cut back. I don't follow that many people. Which is healthy. And I think okay. well, and I think also like it makes it more manageable. Yeah. But um I love Rhett and Link. Oh and, they're great. And I love following them because a lot of times their stuff, you know, sometimes it's like literally like the smile in my day yeah. is following them. Um, I'm trying to think. I follow that guy. I don't know what his full name is. He does all the photos. He redoes photos when people send in requests. Jamie. Oh, his name's Jamie. Yes, that he does like the fashion yes. photos. Yes. <laughs> but he redoes like- things. And I just posted one the other day and a guy was in like a superhero costume and he said, can you make me look like a real superhero? Yes, I And saw the photoshopping that. was, he made him like, you know, giving like, a feeding a woman in yes. like a senior center. So he usually <laughs> does like really like bizarro things. Uh-huh. But when he did that one, I was like, this gets a repost. So that's yeah. kind of like, I love that. And I used to follow some of the other ones, but then a lot of the like controversy of like, who's stealing what? And oh. who's, I just, I got, I didn't want to be part of the problem. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I'm removing sure. myself. Uh, that makes so much sense. And you said Grok Nation is the um, the website that you right. sa- started that's like a lifestyle almost. Right. So I started it in 2015 because I wanted a place where I could write about more things than yeah. I had been writing about. Because pretty much I've been writing about like parenting, which is great. Yeah. And Jewish things, also fine. But, you know, I write about <laughs> a lot of other things. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so my my friend, and he's also my partner, not life partner, my mm. business partner, sure. um, Emmanuel Shalev, he really encouraged me to start my own place to share things without you know, other people making money off of my things. Like, yeah, that's fair. I'm not making money off my things now, but at least no one else is. But, I think it's a, but you get to create your own ecosystem, right? Right. And so what we did is we, you know, for, for two years, we've had a, a great time. We've had a lot of really, we've built mm-hmm. a really nice community of that's people great. who want to think a certain way, but we rebranded and we didn't, I mean, you can already see from the way that I'm dressed today. My <laughs> lifestyle is not really like a typical celebrity lifestyle. So what we did is we've rebranded. We have uh-huh. a, a, our editors, Christina Kelly, who used to be the editor for Sassy and worked with Jane and she's really awesome. And she's known me since I'm, you know, 14. Yeah. And so she rebranded us or we rebranded together to make it more of like a, what if you lived your lifestyle? Like you're just like a kind of a normal geek person who happens to live in Hollywood and be an actor. So that's what our lifestyle is. I I think that's great. And honestly, it must be so refreshing for you to not have to put anything on or like try to create this illusion that you are someone that you're not. Right. And we're like, you know, we're talking like, I'm not really a fashion person. And so like our life lifestyle aspect of fashion is about recycled fashion and hand-me-downs That's awesome. and like not having to buy fashion three times a year, which is what I didn't even know that most women do this like it's, in the world. But that's, I think, such an underserved like community of young women that you're giving them permission that the things that they probably already have seeds planted in their head of like how they want to be gets confirmed that Oh, there's a whole bunch of people like me out there. Exactly. That's a. I get a lot of comments on videos and stuff from young women that are like, "You're like my awkward older sister," which is very strange and like makes me uncomfortable sometimes. <laughs> but then when I think about when I was like 15 or 16, having someone that kind of personified all the awkward, weird, silly. 
but also still kind of like interested in fashion. But from this point of view, it would have been wonderful to well, have that and kind I think of that's viewpoint. Like, to me, like that's one of the amazing, wonderful things about the world that we're living in. Like yeah. as much as I kind of like hate the hatred that yeah. comes like with politics and all this stuff. Like, yeah, I didn't know, like I would have liked to know women like you, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. when I was a teenager because I felt really isolated and I felt really alone. I, I was weird and I'm still weird, yeah. but I wasn't, I wouldn't have felt as alone. And so that's what right. I really think, especially about you know voices like yours and like different kinds of female voices being put out there. It's yeah. no longer this like fringe thing. It, it's a, it's a welcome fringe thing. <laughs> yeah. Is that how you found yourself getting into YouTube? Cause I was watching some of your videos and they're really wonderful because they are, you know, you have a, you were a child actor and people right. know you from Blossom and X, Y, and Z. And so seeing someone that is uh, from your history doing YouTube, people could probably be like, what's she doing? Right. But your videos <laughs> Sometimes are... I wonder that. <laughs> we all do. Trust me. <laughs> We're all, why am I clicking this button on in my house by myself right now with my dog? Right. But the, <laughs> they just feel very natural and they feel very like, were you watching YouTube videos and then just decided that you kind of want to explore that space? No. So this is all really the, the crafting of my, mm -hmm. my best friend who, you know, we basically formed this business together. Yeah. Yeah. And his, we call him Emu. And <laughs> Emu was a big, you know, he's 10 years younger than me okay. and he was a big YouTube person and he was watching all these videos and mm -hmm. he was seeing all these things. And he really believed from my writing and from how he got to know me as a person that like, there are things that I could say that other people aren't saying. Yeah. And in addition, his interest um, was in me as sort of a, a female geek. Yeah. And that that's not really out there. A lot of times when that's out there, it's like, I'm a sexy geek. Like, yeah, I'm going to yeah, take yeah. off my clothes and explain chemistry. And like, that's not, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. Like, with all due respect for the people who want to do that, that's fine. But yeah. he really felt like there's something for me to say. I did not agree with him. I mean, literally, <laughs> I was like, no, people are annoyed by me all the time. Yeah. Like, my boyfriends have always been annoyed by me. My husband was like, I got divorced. He was annoyed with me. My kids are annoyed with me. But he really encouraged me to write and to kind of cultivate um, a comfortability mm -hmm. with this knowledge that there are people out there who want to hear what I'm saying about being alienated, feeling different, yeah. not fitting the mold of traditional women or then like being traditional and other women saying that I'm too traditional. Like yeah, yeah. he just felt like th that's you and you should put it out there. And I think one of the neat things that, you know, I've discovered and that I think is a specific challenge for women is like, even more so than men, they, mm -hmm. whoever they are, want to like put us in the box. You yeah. Know, like, like, who are you? What, who are we going to market to? And even with my website, it was like, oh, you're going to be a women's site and we're going to make it all pink. And it's like, right. no, like I don't have to pick. Right. Meaning some days I want to post on Instagram about my st the straw that won't stand up straight, you know? <laughs> and other days I want to talk about like, you know, human trafficking because like that's really important to me. And yeah. as women in particular, I don't know why we're expected to have to pick. Right. You know, like sometimes I'm silly and goofy with my kids. And sometimes we talk about like the riots in Detroit in 1967. And it's very yeah. important, you know, yeah. like all those things can exist in one person. It's and that's fluidity. sort of what my YouTube channel is. Yeah, like it's I, all over the place. I think that's great. And that's, you know, what makes YouTube awesome is like that authenticity of someone being a real person that's multifaceted that literally is like, today I'm talking about right. my bowels and tomorrow right. I want to talk about gun control. And right. like, it's just yeah. how you are thinking. I actually haven't done a video on bowels. I'm going to take that. It's pretty popular. No, no we make notes. It's pretty. People on their digestive systems. Well, I'm vegan. I got a lot to say. Oh yeah, you are vegan. 
And uh, we love to tell people we're vegan, right? That's what they say about that's, us. I mean, that's that is the what, stereotype. That is what they say, yes. But I, I've been, I have like, uh, friends that are vegan that are pretty lax about it. They have, they're smart and very like, you know, have their reasons why. Like Mamrie, for one, yeah, is sure. vegan, but, and she'll have a conversation if you want to, but sure. she won't force a conversation. No, for sure. I think that's a kind of a I good I force way to conversations go. about everything else, <laughs> not vegan. <laughs> But I did see on your Instagram that you recommended this documentary that uh, confirmed your veganism, right? Oh, was that the so one with Penn eat, and Teller? Or yeah, Penn? so Eating You Alive. Yeah, that. I actually follow them also because they have fun cartoons about veganism. <laughs> um, but yeah, they did. And Samuel Jackson, who like, I didn't even know he was a vegan. Um, yeah, me they, I mean, yeah, when you're a vegan, you love to watch all these documentaries. Sure. Like, and I recommend, even if you're not vegan, like Future of Food and Food mm-hmm. Inc. and Forks Over Knives and The Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead. Like, these are all wonderful things that we all should watch. Yeah. Um, but Eating You Alive, they there's a, a lot of people who do like a completely oil-free diet. Wow. And it's unbelievable. But the documentary, the reason it's so cool is that it goes to places in the country you would never think people would want to be vegan. Meaning wow. it goes to Middle America and it goes to the South. And it talks specifically to medical doctors and people who have medical conditions that they were told you need 20 different pills for who switched to a vegan diet uh-huh. and in most cases an oil-free diet. And literally got off all the medications that they were on. Really? And Samuel Jackson is one of these people. And <laughs> Penn and Tyler. Like, it was amazing. Wow. And that's not that bonkers. it makes a difference to hear it from celebrities, but to hear it from people who you think you know. Or you right. think you know that. Or you picture them, like, with chefs and that their life is great. Right. You hold in this high regard. Right. But, like, no, Samuel Jackson had, like, aches in his knees. <laughs> and, like, he had hypertension, you know? <laughs> and he talks about, like, the changes in his diet and how it varied with, like, when he was working on Avengers. Like, yeah. he started eating poorly and all of his problems came back. Like, wow. it was a fascinating documentary. Yeah. It's one of those things that you would think is more common sense about, like, what you put in your body Correct. changes how your body operates yes. in the world. But it's something completely ignored because the Right. tastes great when yeah. it's got right, salt and, and oil and it. it's like the fact that some people are like oh when I eat pizza I have diarrhea like that means it's <laughs> not good for your body you shouldn't put that I know my boyfriend gets to talk about all the time and then literally has to like sprint home and I'm like there's a disconnect between what is good about this situation this is not a way to live like yeah. we're in a western industrialized country you don't need like yeah. no you can change this for yourself Oh, that's so funny. Now, you've, um, like you said, you took a break and you went to school and then you came back and you kind of, was the transition coming back into acting um, immediate or was it kind of a slow roll? And what was that? How it, was did a, that feel? it was a slow, sad roll. Um, <laughs> I had a toddler okay. and an infant. Jeez. And I um, had was I had no health insurance anymore okay. because what happens when you leave graduate school is you get a certain amount of health insurance, right? And then they cut you off, yeah. and if you don't then have income like a normal person, um, it's problematic. So I was I was teaching, I was tutoring, I taught neuroscience for five years wow. after getting my degree. I I was driving, you know, literally to Venice Beach to tutor a kid for, you know, 25 bucks an hour in wow. Hebrew. I was teaching piano. Like I was doing a lot of things. My mm-hmm. my husband at the time, he was finishing grad school. Like we were doing our best. Yeah. Um and I figured, you know, if I can just even get a small role on something to get even the minimal Screen Actors Guild health insurance, which yeah. is great health insurance. Which is really good health insurance, especially <laughs> if you get plan 1. I was even going for plan 2. <laughs> <laughs> because I had I had a toddler and a newborn. Yeah. So I started auditioning for things and it was was a very slow role because mm-hmm. most of the casting directors, A, didn't remember me from Blossom because they were not born yet when I was on it. And B, uh, I, I never uh. I, I never expected to, 
you know, be welcomed back into the industry because I was a child actor on a family sitcom. Right. Like people are like, you had to audition. It's like, yes. Like yeah. people have no idea if I can even act. Like, <laughs> sure, I was like fine when I was like 16. But so I started auditioning for literally, you know, characters that didn't even have a, a name because right. you're just called in for whatever. Yeah. And I'm usually called in for um, it's called Submit All Ethnicities, uh. which is the way the industry <laughs> at the time means... Send people who are not typically cast as leading lady types. Okay. And in particular, women who are not skinny. Okay. <laughs> because uh, at a size six, I am considered zaftig. That is so, so yeah. So I would, and it's fine, you know, like it's totally fine. Like it, that, you know, those are the, the parts that I would be called in for. So yeah, I just started auditioning for things. I had like literally six lines on bones. I did an episode yes. of Saving Grace. Like Perfect. Just random. Yeah. And then I was literally called in for a show that I had never seen called The Big Bang Theory uh-huh. to play a female version of a person I had never heard of, Sheldon, you yeah. know? So that's how that That's happened. amazing. Did you yeah. know anyone on the show beforehand? Uh, Johnny Galecki and I. Johnny Galecki was on Blossom when we were both kids. Yeah, I read somewhere that that was your first on-screen kiss or something. Johnny Galecki was my second on-screen kiss. I think it was his first, though. Oh, really? Wow. Which is kind of sweet. Yeah. What a hilarious full circle in I a know. weird way. So yeah, so he and I, we had the same agent when we were kids. Okay. So we kind of ran in the same circles, but... No, I mean, Jim Parsons, that was his first pilot, you know. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. No, I didn't know anybody. Like, I didn't watch TV in the years that Kaylee Cuoco was very famous on television. <laughs> like, I was in college or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it must feel like a family over there. I mean, it seems you guys, how much on average time when you guys are shooting do you spend in each other's presence? More than with my own family. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's yeah. the truth. We're yeah. with each other really more yeah. than we're with our own families. So our schedule is really, really great. Mm-hmm. You know, sitcom is a very good schedule. We film in front of a live audience. Right. So we really rehearse, you know, we rehearse all week. Yeah. Um, Which is and super then, fun. I went to a taping. Yeah. And it was really cool. We're kind of a good time live. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, it's interesting because it's like, it's a lot like theater. You know, because right. um, they shoot in order, which is was shocking to me. I was like, "Oh, I think you were telling me this before." Yeah, like yeah. I expected them to just like let's just shoot out this one set and then we'll move over to the other set, but they don't. They like take the time to we move, tell you a story, which ah. I love because I, I I thought it was all just like, "Look, this is for the cameras. You guys are kind of performers with us, so laugh when it's appropriate to laugh." But right. it wasn't the case. That's really cool. Like, so they would go to the trouble of like moving to different sets and then coming back Whoa. to sets so yeah, they could shoot it in, in order. order. And like when there was the, the episode that I saw was like the where you guys like recreated a prom. And so like there was all this like pre-taped stuff like in mm-hmm. like a limousine and stuff like that. And they would like show us the video. So you guys could see how it yeah. would play out. So yeah. we saw the whole show unfold, which was really cool. So it was like, it was a lot like going to the theater. That's oh, really fun. And then you guys as that. audience yeah, members cool. have authentic reactions to things. Yeah. And we were like laughing at jokes because they were funny, not because we knew they were supposed to be yeah. punchlines. Something most people don't know about, which you probably realized, if things don't get laughs, they get rewritten. Yeah, that yeah. happened a couple times. Yeah, so when people, that must be so intense. It's really, it's an, it can be intense. Yeah, but I think it really shows kind of the the power that Chuck Lorre really believes in mm-hmm. of the of the live audience. That even if our writers, you know, think something's funny, right. it doesn't matter because that audience, those two hundred, they will tell you they are representative yeah. of most people. They're not representative right. of our writers. That that's who's watching our show. So even I mean just last night's taping that we did, there were two jokes that were literally my favorite jokes. The audience did not understand them. They were cut 
Uh, yeah, sure. That and happens, I, right? and I said to, to Steve Holland, who's our showrunner, I was like, it wasn't even my joke. I was like, I love that joke of Kaylee's. <laughs> and he's like, we do too, but they don't get it. It was a joke yeah. about jazz and the audience was too young to oh, know that. Oh, no. Yeah, the joke was that like, oh, jazz is great. You get to hear all the notes at once. Like, you know. <laughs> okay, that's funny. It's great. Audience was like, no. So it uh, got cut. Like, oh, that's, man. You know. Yeah, that must create some fun relationship issues with like just learning to let go of everything constantly. And also it's stressful because your castmate yeah. might be given a paragraph that they have to learn you need to be patient with that too right like it's given on the spot have you had any standout awkward or just like kind of unintentionally hilarious moments with the live audience being there <laughs> you just gave me a really big setup like, <laughs> well i just imagine like, i don't know about hilarious because how do they i mean we've had, you a, don't we've had an audience i, I right? facilitated a proposal did you Yes, and a former student of mine from when Aww. I was a graduate teacher at UCLA asked if he could bring his girlfriend and propose to her at our taping. Whoa. Oh, that's so sweet. That was pretty, I mean, that was pretty awesome. And like, you know, I we brought them down after the show and yeah. he proposed on the couch in Sheldon's spot. Oh, that's pretty so awesome. Got wow. yeah, that's so it was really cute. fun. And we had another another person propose literally like with the um it, the studio audience, like with the, with Mark Sweet, who's our, you know, uh, what's it called? The He's the, the warm-up guy. The warm-up guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a proposal there. Yeah. They were from Mexico. That was a really fun story, oh, too. That's super but fun. But yeah, but my former student, that was pretty exciting that That's... I that I got to like arrange it and it was a secret from her and I held the ring and I took out oh, the ring for you her. held the ring That's god so I would be I'd be like you gotta handle the ring that's the one part that I will lose and I, I don't want to but that's so much fun yeah, it was that's really cool. so cool um you're working on a new book yes yeah can you is it is, is I can secret? talk about okay, it okay yeah. yeah well I had a book come out last year called girling up yes and it was basically the book I wish that I had when I was a teenager mm-hmm. it was all about you know, everything from like puberty to dating to like, why are my emotions crazy? How yeah. do I manage them as a female in this culture? Yeah. Um, and it was on the bestseller list, which we were really excited awesome. about. And so I wrote Boying Up about my experience, not only as a neuroscientist with yeah. my, you know, knowledge of the neuroendocrine system and how boys develop and puberty and all that fun stuff. Um, but also as a mom of two boys. Yeah. And as a woman who's primarily friends with men. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wrote a book about the the male experience from that perspective with That's input awesome. from men as well. So that comes out in May, um, also by Penguin. That's super And it's cool. exciting. My boys and I are on the cover as like a superhero family. All of us. Oh, in, that's so all fun. of us in capes and little superhero masks. That's and have they read any of it? So I just gave it. So my nine year old's a little bit on the younger yeah. um, end. To understand neuroscience, I well, imagine. <laughs> you'd be surprised. If, um, if, if I'm your, your mom, son, you, yeah. he already knows the different <laughs> versions of the spinal cord. Yeah. Um, no, but my older son, um, he, he read Girling Up. Uh, he was my first proofreader to see if I kind of had the language right for oh, that age. Oh, that's great. Um, I think he's a little more nervous to read Boying Up. He's yeah. already heard most of it. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot. Like, it's talk all about penises in one chapter <laughs> and puberty, oh, which, you oh, know, boy. usually, like, we have to space it out when he has questions. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah. So this is, like, chapter one is, it's hefty. Oh, um, my gosh. But, yeah, he's he's going to make his way through it. And, um, you know, it's literally written for his age. That's what I was going to say. Who's the yeah. target demo? It's, like, 10 to 18. Oh, that's but, great. But just... Just like growing up, it wasn't just 10 to 18 year old girls that bought it. You know, yeah. it's for it's for parents. And yeah, in particular, we think boying up will probably appeal to to moms in particular. That's a, yeah. because you don't want to you don't want to raise boys who are the way you think boys should be. You want right. to raise boys who are who they want to be. Yeah. And in our culture, especially, it's like you don't want them to be like too sensitive or too violent or, you know, it's yeah. a lot. So and there's a yeah. lot of mixed messaging that happens in social media, for especially. Boys especially. Oh, it's very confusing. Right yeah. Now. That they just have this influx of information and 
and don't do this or do this. Yeah. Correct. Like, and it can, I can imagine be overwhelming. That's why I always say like, I'm so glad that when I went to high school, I didn't have internet really. It was just right. starting. I, thought you were so, I didn't have a social life and that helped have, too. That too. Uh, <laughs> that was also why I was glad there was no internet because I didn't have anything to post. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, I can't imagine now with how like the way the world works, how intense it is for people. For but sure. that's also something that my mom used to say that she wishes that there was like a guide that she could have given us yeah. growing up that would be slightly more articulate than what she was. Well, I got really nothing. My mom was raised yeah. very, very religious, very traditional. And mm. her solution was to not talk about anything with me. Uh-huh. And she she lucked out in that I was very awkward and unusual <laughs> and was not looking to find out information on my own either. Um, I was a very late bloomer, which again, worked in her favor. Yeah. She was like, oh, great. We never have to talk about anything because <laughs> like you're 18 and you still look like a 12 year old. Yeah, like yeah. it's fine. Um, so so yeah, I really did need, I needed mm-hmm. what what I hope this book provided. And what I've heard is that it's a really good conversation starter. That's great. You know, girls tend to read books in that age, that kind more right. than boys do. Um, but Boying Up is really, it really can be a tool for dads too. That's you know, awesome. Because it opens up conversations about yeah. what's expected of you as a man. You know, I talk yeah. about kind of that, that journey, that hero journey that is normal for all of us to take. But in particular, that's a very special journey for boys yeah. to explore and to conquer and to bring back what they've found. And yeah, there's, it's, it's, it's such a difficult thing to like navigate right now because there's all this obviously talk about like toxic masculinity sure. and what mm-hmm. it is to be a man and, you sure. know, raise boys the same as girls, et cetera. And it's just, it's, it's, it feels like such a confusing time. Yeah. And I'm a scientist. Yeah. So like there are differences, like certain, you know, course, yeah. Yeah. that's course, what I, like, and that's are. one of my yes. points of the book, like emotions are not different between men and women. The yeah. way we process them and the way we communicate them is different, yeah. but men feel sadness and, and rage and shame and fear just like yeah. women do. It just doesn't always look the same, but there's right. a way to also foster that so yeah. that boys feel heard and understood, mm-hmm. but also not expected to be quote, just like women. Yeah. You know? And it's, it's interesting too, because of like the hormonal differences between men and women are so, are so yeah. profound. It's a real thing. Yeah, And it's, it's interesting. Cause like the more I read and learn about like testosterone and the way it affects, yes. there's, I know, cause like, you know how, um, a lot of scientists were saying that they're worried about AI and mm-hmm. it's like, it's potential to, yep. uh, turn on humanity. Yep. Right. And there are some AI creators, I guess, uh, programmers that are just like, you know, intelligence isn't inherently destructive. Testosterone is. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that's such an interesting thing to say. I mean, I know he's, he was saying it to sort of be flipped, right. but I think that's an interesting thing because it's like, that's true though. Like a lot of our aggression doesn't come from our intellect. Sure. It comes from our hormones saying, well, rage now. <laughs> well, it also comes from like the, the social construct that we are all living in, you know? Yeah, so sure. like, I, I don't mean to sound like a crazy person when I say we're all living in patriarchy, but we are. Like we're living in a yeah. culture mm-hmm. that was really formed, you know, for a lot of quote, legitimate reasons, right. you know, by a male dominated society because- yeah. For tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of years, like our culture was structured a certain way because of biology. So I think we're also like we're living in an adaptation of that and trying to find our place. And I think for men in particular, it can be really, really hard. Yeah, for sure. Are you going on book tour with this book? Yes, I am going on book tour. Um, It's it's a smaller tour than you might think. I'm not like getting in a van. I'm like, you know. (laughs) (laughs) See you in Sheboygan. Me me and my boys. (laughs) Yeah, in a van. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll be in New York. Um, You know, like Good Morning America and Colbert are really, really awesome. That's awesome. 
talk about this book. Yeah. Um, and then a bunch of other places. And cool. then, you know, I come back to LA. Um, so yeah, as of now I'm doing New York and LA cause also it fits into like my other work and filming right, and right, life right, schedule. Right. But, um, but yeah, it's exciting. Very cool. Well, we're going to take a quick break and when we get back, we're going to ask some Twitter questions. Mm. We got a lot of really, really good ones. So mm. we'll be right back with Mayim after this. Today's episode of Not Too Deep is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time. Yeah, listen, can't imagine fitting anything else into your life. Well, with Talkspace, therapy is easy. It's as easy as sending your therapist a message. You get something off your chest whenever you need to. You can talk about everyday challenges at work or at home or just chat about your life. There's no extra commutes, no leaving the office, and no judgments. Yeah, all you need is a computer with an internet connection or the Talkspace mobile app, and you can improve your mental health. Remember that therapy isn't just about venting your innermost thoughts or digging into childhood memories. It's also about practical, everyday strategies for stress management and living a happier life. Having a therapist simply provides you a designated person for you to talk to who is trained to listen and help you make positive changes. And the Talkspace platform has over 2,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing life changes that we all face. To match with the perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com slash grace and use code grace to get $45 off your first month and to show your support for this very podcast. Yeah, that's grace, J-R-A-C-E, and Talkspace.com slash grace. Guess what? Avid listeners and possibly complete stranger, Not Too Deep is now becoming a live show once a month in Los Angeles. Obviously, we're still doing the podcast, but we are expanding and doing a live show right here in L.A. once a month. Our very first live show will be April 26th. That's a Thursday at 8 p.m. at a brand new comedy venue that's really awesome called Dynasty Typewriter. It's beautiful. Jack, give them the deets. So it is uh, it is indeed called Dynasty Typewriter. It is next to MacArthur Park in Los Angeles, if you know where that is. The address is... 2511 Wilshire Boulevard, LA, California, 90057. And uh, you can find all the information and how to get tickets, uh, et cetera, in the show notes. But you can also just go to nottodeep.com and we'll have a link to all that stuff. And we want to do this kind of regularly. Yeah, we're going to be doing it uh, the last Thursday of every month. But we really want you to come out to the first uh, episode, technically, April 26th at 8 p.m. We have a guest TBD announcement. Yes, but we wanted to let you guys know now so that you can start getting some tickets. Um because it's going to be a very fun night. Grace and I had a great time uh, recording the episode of the New York Comedy Festival with Eliza Schlesinger that we were like, you know, this was fun enough that we should do this more regularly. So we found this amazing venue and we're very excited to... uh, Bring back some live shows in front of a live live audiences. Woohoo! So if you're in Los Angeles, make sure you go to nottodeep.com. Get those tickets, and we'll see you there Thursday, April 26, 8 p.m. at Dynasty Typewriter. We're back with Mayim. Hey. Um, okay, so before we get into Twitter questions, I'm going to ask you the two questions I ask every single guest that's on the podcast. The first is... I wasn't briefed about this. I will not be answering these. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, we used to brief people on them. I'm and kidding. then I get upset when we brief people because I'm like, I enjoy an authentic reaction <laughs> to something. Um, the first is, who in the world, live or dead, would you most want to throw cold spaghetti at? <laughs> and this can be interpreted a variety of ways. 
my father died three years ago tomorrow, uh-huh. I would have loved to throw a cold spaghetti <laughs> at him. He would think that's awesome and funny. <laughs> that's very sweet. Uh, okay, the other question I ask every guest is to tell us your worst pants shitting story or close call, but you can only use three words or three small phrases. So mine mm-hmm. is college jogging front lawn. Got it. Here's mine. <laughs> I like that you have an immediate oh. memory. <laughs> Antibiotics. <laughs> oh no. Okay. I'm ready. Is does a phrase count or it has to be a word? It Give can be a, a small phrase. Okay. <laughs> the floor of my children's bedroom. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Oh. oh, what a no follow-up questions, though. <laughs> what a festive time of year. What a journey that story was. <laughs> I'm sure you and your sons had a very close they were relationship. Sleeping. They were sleeping. <laughs> Mercifully. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Well, now we're going to move into some Twitter questions. The first one comes from 90s Forever. They want to know who would Blossom be today? Um, that's a great question. I mean, she would be an older version of herself, but I'm assuming that's not (laughs) the answer that she's looking for. He's looking for. Um, I think that she would probably be, um, I would like to think something like a, a, a lawyer for justice. Oh, I, like, can I see feel, that. I feel like Blossom might have turned into like that obnoxious girl in college who was like <laughs> always like handing out flyers for something and okay. then like became a lawyer for like, you know, children's rights or like yeah. something really noble and really like engaged. I can 100% see that. Yeah. Um, also, also I, a stripper on the, the side. Yeah, no, just yeah. kidding. Just for balance. For balance. She's in touch with her sexual side yeah. too. Um, okay, Bay1185 wants to know, what silly things do you do with your kids or what are the silliest things that they do? Oh my gosh. Um, we have a very silly house. Oh, that's fun. Um, well, when they were little, we did something before bedtime to kind of get the energy out, you know, when uh-huh. they were toddlers. It was called naked running. <laughs> And what it was was after bath time, because that's often when like kids get kind of like activated and excited. Oh, my dog does the same thing. Right. Well, not but you to don't have, you don't relate have to, your kids to my dog. Well, they're pretty much the same. <laughs> but you don't have to put dogs in con- like restrictive right. diapers slash pajamas. Yes. So after bath time, it was just run around, just yeah. run around naked. <laughs> and we would do that for like, not me. I would be fully clothed. Uh-huh. But after naked running, they knew like, okay, naked running is done. <laughs> now we put on pajamas and we read books and we go to sleep. Um, we're, you know, we're silly in different ways. Yeah. I'm like a sneak attack wrestler, which <laughs> I'm much more into my jujitsu training than my children are. There you go. I studied jujitsu in college. And so sometimes out of the blue, I'll like take them out at the knees <laughs> <laughs> and like put them in a chokehold. And That's so funny. Um, you learn very quickly that laughing can turn to crying and you yep. have to notice when a child starts crying. Oh my goodness. Mama, I can't breathe. That's my sternum. Um, but th- they think that's pretty funny. That's um, but great. we're silly in general. You know, I think um, a lot of people have remarked that, you know, I interact with my children not like they're not children, but yeah. I speak to them like people, like humans. And then I also let them hear me speak like a human, um, ah. c- cursing excluded. I try yeah, not yeah. to do that too much. Um, but they hear me be playful and irreverent and confused about things along with them. Yeah. yeah and yeah. when I don't know something, I say, I don't know, you know, or yeah. mama, why? Why is this like this in the world? You don't say I just don't, because. Exactly. I'd never say because I said so. I yeah. want to say it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're honest about that. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Tell them. I'm like, I really want to say, stop talking. Mama doesn't want to talk about this. <laughs> I think that's great. I also think with the jujitsu, it's just nice 
for them at this point in their lives. And who knows? Because they're going to get bigger and you won't be able to take them out the knees anymore. They're going to need to defend themselves is (laughs) really what I'm preparing them for. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Okay. Lori, not Lauren, says, I met Miss Mayim at BookCon this past year and had a draft painted on my face. She told me it looked cool. Did she truly think that I... A, at the time, 17-year-old woman looked cool with my giraffe face painting. Note, there was glitter. Well, if I hadn't remembered it, the glitter makes it cool for sure. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, In general, I especially, I I will actually single this this, um, instance out. I especially appreciate when... um, when girls who uh-huh. who look quirky and fun embrace that in yeah. a way that I didn't necessarily have the confidence to. Totally. So I probably um, genuinely meant that that's cool. Yeah. I, I mean, any, and once you add glitter, like done and done. If you're yeah. 17 years old walking around book con with a giraffe paint on your face. Done. Yeah, that's a cool girl. <laughs> I'm all for it. Okay, John Jones 002 says, being such an intellectual, have you ever had to school someone on the set of Big Bang? Are you a consultant for the writers or are you given freedom to rewrite any inaccuracies? That's a no, no, and no. Really? (laughs) Yeah. So generally, um, actors in particular don't like to be schooled by other actors. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Um, No, our, our, uh, our writers do a terrific job of writing. Many of them have science backgrounds. I was going to ask, There's also yeah. this thing called Google. So right. you can look things up in a way that writers, you know, didn't used to look things up. Tell yeah. me more about this Google. Yeah. <laughs> so you type in a word Ooh. or a phrase uh, and it tells you what you really want to be typing in and you click on that. <laughs> right, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, so I don't, we do not have free reign to make things up. Sometimes, uh, we, we also, we have a science consultant on the show. His name is David say, Salzberg. He's yeah. a physics consultant. Sometimes he and I will chat if there's stuff in Amy's lab that, sure. you know, is more specific to neuroscience. Our science isn't always perfect. Sometimes sure. we have to do things for entertainment or visual value. Sure, sure. Um, but but yeah, the writers do a terrific job. And I'm, you know, I, I try and blend in as much as possible. Because like I said, <laughs> other actors don't like it when you're like, let me explain your line to you. <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, okay. I'm super grateful. Wants to know, would you consider making some Broadway appearances in the future? Not so much. No. <laughs> I mean, I um I'm not a trained singer. I uh-huh. am a singer, but I'm not a trained singer. Yeah. Um the schedule of Broadway always really terrified Intense. me and you know, I had my first kid at 29 and so that part of my life was really dedicated to being a mom and finishing yeah. my degree and um you know my life just never really offered a, a timing opportunity to make the commitment to basically sleep most of the day right. and then you know work every night. Um, so, you know, there's a lot that appeals to me about musical theater. I'm trained as a, you know, a dancer and, um, and I love that musical theater combines so many of the things that I love to do. But, you know, when I see any theater, really, I'm like, wow, those people are a gajillion times more talented than me. It's so intense. It's really, really intense. And I'm really not at that, you know, level. Unless the, rock, yourself unless the Rockettes wanted me. Which like, <laughs> to dance in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in done, fishnets done. might be like a dream of mine. A dream come true. Um, we can make that happen. They're avid listeners of the podcast, so <laughs> we can reach out. Uh, Blame Hockey 52 wants to know, did you get to keep the hats? No. <laughs> do people ask you that all the time? Yeah, people ask me. Yeah, people do ask yeah. me that. But our show was a Disney show, a Touchstone show, and Disney is known for being very, very uh, meticulous mm. about cataloging all of the items that are used on TV shows and such. I'm going to oh. say it right now, and they can come for me. I stole a shirt of David Lasher's. <laughs> you know, Blossom had this boyfriend Vinny who always yeah. wore these cool um, plaid vintage shirts. I stole one. It's still in my closet. 
<laughs> I stole a pair of earrings also. There you go. They were not expensive, but I did steal them. Do you feel better getting that off your chest? I don't know. There could be cops waiting for me. <laughs> there the could be repercussions. Michael Eisner himself. Yeah, maybe. and now the Blossom knocking. Museum won't be complete. <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, there is no Blossom Museum. I want to just state that in case. Because <laughs> you're going to start getting like... You know. You're going to be like, where is it? Where? I can't find him. Uh, Mythical Paul wants to know, what is the most brainiest thing you know? But I want to add on to that. If you, let's say hypothetically, you were on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Who's the lifeline that you would call? Who's someone that you were like, they just know everything? Oh, um, gosh. I- I'm fortunate to have several... Um, people in my life who I would use as a lifeline, but I'm going to go ahead and say Eric Kaplan, who's one of the executive producers of Big Bang Theory. Okay. A very, very funny man. Um, really amazing guy. Also, I, I follow him on Twitter because he's <laughs> profound and really intellectually interesting. But he'd be my lifeline. He knows he knows things no one should know. Really? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, in terms of like the brainiest thing I know, I mean, you know, when you do a thesis and you have to write like a 300 page book on uh-huh. literally one tiny thing. I don't know what that's like, but yeah, I can but, imagine. Well, but that, that's, <laughs> you know, I like to say that's the only thing I'm really an expert in. You yeah. know, people often accuse me of like, she thinks she knows everything. I actually don't. Yeah. You know, I'm an expert on r- literally one one aspect of neuro, psychoneuroendocrinology. I'm an expert um, on my kids in yeah. that I mostly don't understand them. <laughs> but but yeah, otherwise I, I have a, a smattering of knowledge, but I know many, many people far, far more intelligent than I. Is there an area, even in just pop culture or in just education, that you wish you knew more about? Um, yeah, uh, American history. Oh, really? So I was I was um, schooled on set. I would go back to mm-hmm. classes and school in between when I was on Blossom. Um, but the the class that I took in place of what was American history was more like a civics class. Okay, and it was helpful, and I learned things, but. The actual curriculum that I wish I had learned was what everybody got to learn when they were in school. And, Ah. um, you know, I've filled in little things, but I've learned more from my children singing Hamilton than (laughs) than I should. Because I literally, and of course my kids get to be so self-righteous. What do you mean you don't know that there was a time? No clue. (laughs) What do you mean you don't know this mama? It's like, well, you didn't know until you saw the musical. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Colleen X. Parker wants to know, strangest place you've woken up in? My mind. <laughs> I haven't even done that yet. I mean, I I backpacked through um, Western Europe and then Israel and Egypt for five weeks in college. Oh, cool. And it was very cool. And I went to a very, very small island uh, with my, my then boyfriend. We then mm-hmm. got married. Now he's my ex-husband. But um, Mike and I went to this very small island. Um, it was called Skanusa. Ooh. With an S-C-H-I-N-O-U-S-A, Skinusa. <laughs> and it was so far from the mainland. We were like, no one's going to be here. It's going to be awesome. We had reserved a hotel. And yeah. we, got, we got there. Long story short, sometimes on the Greek islands, they give away your reservation if someone shows up with cash before you check in. Really? So we were stuck. Oh, no. We were stuck on a very, very small island that had no hotels for us to sleep in. <gasps> and we ended up having to sleep on the beach. Now, <gasps> that sounds romantic. 
It was not. That sounds terrible. It was freezing. We made a barricade of chairs. And just as we were starting to, <laughs> I was trying to fall asleep on this windy beach in Greece. Uh-huh. We hear a band start up at 11 p.m. Uh. It was traditional night on the Isle of Skanusa, and the entire island had descended to the restaurant behind the hedges that we didn't even know was oh there. Oh, my God. And then I started crying. <laughs> and they, we could have been in any one of the hotels because everyone who was staying in them was out the there. Thing. And that band played till 6 a.m. Oh my God. Are you serious? I'm Goodness. completely serious. And then w- we were awoken, you know, I mean, I ended up falling asleep a little bit. We were awoken to people, you know, drunkly walking home at yeah, six yeah. in the morning. And then we forged our ferry ticket. Here's another illegal thing. We forged our ferry <laughs> tickets. We got back on that ferry and we just went back to Athens and went to museums. <laughs> so that wow. was a strange place to wake up. Wow. On, on the beach in Skanusa. That's Skenusa. such a great story though. Yep. Oh, wow. Now I kind of want to go to that island. <laughs> Don't go on traditional night. Yeah, first. Bring cash. Uh, Cassidy Ma wants to know, what's your favorite cat fact? Because you have a cat. I have four cats. You have four cats? I'm a super cat lady. What are your cat's names? I know Nermal. We have Shadow and Nermal. Okay. Those are the, they're litter mates. Okay. But one is very big and the other's the runt. Um, <laughs> so they're a very odd pair. Um, then I have Adamantium. She goes by Addie. Um, she's a special needs rescue. Um, she was born without a pectoral muscle. So when oh. I got her, she had a surgery and a cast, but she seems to be very happy now without her cast. And then I have a very grumpy cat who hates them all. And her name is Frances. <laughs> Hate, hates her life. Which one was first? Francis. Okay. Does that have anything to do with the behavioral issues of not having all the attention anymore? Yes. (laughs) Turns out Francis wants to be an alone cat, but you only learn that after you adopt three kittens. (laughs) Whoops. How? So your house is two boys and four cats. Mm -hmm. How? That sounds like a lot. A lot of litter. Yes, and the children will not change the litter. Really? So they do all the other kind of cat-related chores and things, uh-huh. and then I just keep adding chores. And when they're like, "I don't want it," so, well, you don't change the litter, so now you're going to do the recycle too. <laughs> Have you ever done the try to walk a cat on the leash? Um, my hairless cat would walk on a leash, really, a little bit, which was a sight to behold. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm trying to imagine yeah. that in my brain, like a rat on a leash. Yeah. <laughs> Big did, it, did it enjoy it? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, he didn't want that. Um, but in terms of what was the actual question? It's, what's your favorite cat fact? Oh, my gosh. I, there's so many. Um, I mean, just the fact that their tongue is practically made of sandpaper. It's yeah, just amazing. That's always... The fact that they clean all the time and they're like, you know, if you have good, clean cats, uh-huh. like just to think that they can clean themselves like that from licking <laughs> their hands. And the, it's just so there's I'm a crazy cat lady. <laughs> <laughs> and my my the runt cat that I have obviously uh, is also a little special. Uh-huh. He will turn anything into a nipple and nurse on it, including <laughs> his brother's head. Really? He forms the fur on the back of his brother's head into oh. a nipple shape and he will like knead on it. It's very odd. <laughs> well, it's personality. That's attachment issues right there. There you go. In the truest, most obvious form. But do the three other the kittens get along? The kittens love their lives Aww. and they love torturing the cat who hates them. <laughs> that sounds like a reality show. Yep. Um, nine times wants to know, last thing you did that you were really proud of that wasn't work-related? <laughs> um, huh. I'm not, th- it's, not, it's not like, oh, I'm thinking of all the things I'm proud of that are work-related. No, no, no. It's a weird, just trying to, to think. Try think of stuff that's um, not related. You know, we, we just had Passover. Yeah. Because um, it's Passover. And um, 
I, I hosted both nights. I hosted a lot of people. Oh, wow. And I also hosted lunch. So I hosted like 13 people for lunch and for dinner and then another dinner for That's eight people and then another lunch for eight people. Exhausting. And I'm not, I, I'm not like proud of myself because like I'm so amazing. Um, but I'm proud that my house was pretty much a total mess. Like uh -huh. meaning, you know, everything that wasn't being used was just like pushed aside. Like it didn't look perfect. Yeah. But people had a good time. That's great. And people came to our Seder who had never been to a Seder before. Uh -huh. And I had a couple Jewish friends who hadn't been to one in many, many years. And it's just all these different people coming together. And that even though it was like so imperfect, I didn't let that get in the way of like being proud that people ate well and yeah. had a good time and learned something, that's even awesome. though it wasn't perfect. But that's great. I mean, any social situation or gathering like that, it really trickles down from the host themselves. If a yeah. host is stressed out or like worried in any way, then people feel it. Yeah. So well, yeah. I was in an apron and slippers. That's there my rule. <laughs> I dress up and like look nice, but I'm wearing slippers and a matzah apron. Perfect. I'm just dealing with it. <laughs> That's appropriate. That's very appropriate. Okay. That gal online wants to know, please talk about your what not to wear experience. How are Stacey and Clinton? Yeah. I read this. You were on an episode of what not to wear. Yeah. That was one of the first things I did when I started like acting again. Really? Yeah. I watched that show all the time growing yeah, up. Yeah. I, um, I, don't make me feel old. No, I mean, I was grown. <laughs> yeah, when I was grown, I watched it. <laughs> um, yeah, I did What Not to Wear when my younger son was, gosh, he must have been maybe like six six or seven months. Really? Yeah. Wow. It was actually during Passover. I remember this because I couldn't eat anywhere except Passover restaurants <laughs> in New York. Um, yeah, What Not to Wear. They, I actually just wrote an article for Grok Nation about, um, about they, they cut six inches off my hair. Ooh, and that's... it's never really grown back. Really? I don't blame them. But yeah, what not to wear. That's a real thing they do. Yeah. Um, they really do come to your closet and they and take everything. Through, yeah. They literally go through it. And I actually had a really, really positive experience. I had never seen the show, but um, they oh, were wow. really, really nice with me. And, um, you know, I have a lot of sentimental clothing items. Yeah. Like my, So um, those things they let me keep. That's like, you know, good. my grandmother's this and my great right. aunt's that and blah, blah, blah. Um, it was it was overall a really good experience. They tweezed my eyebrows. It was for the first time in my life. I had never tweezed my eyebrows. Really? Yeah. So doing that on camera was pretty brave of me. Yeah. You know, like As that's a woman. A, yeah. Just a, yeah. It's kind of weird. Um, and yeah, they actually dyed my hair darker and cut six inches off of it. So. A, I mean, I can imagine stuff. I'm a little picky about, you know, massive changes like that. And oh, to yeah. other people, I'm sure it seems so subtle. But to you, you're like, this is an overhaul. Yeah, I'm a no to change person. <laughs> yeah. Some people are like a yes to change person. I'm yeah. a no to change person. Well, that's I mean, I feel like in that experience, you're either going to have one or two outcomes where you're either happy and like yeah. you feel a little bit more cleansed or you're just deeply repressed and even worse. off. No, I think you're... overall it was really positive. And I think it also helped me get back into the industry also in terms of framing, you know, my brain. Yeah, because, yeah. Like, Stacy said to me, she's like, the literal goal is for you to look as skinny and sexy as possible at all times. <laughs> and I was like, that's a terrible thing to say. But yeah. sure enough, like after Ugh. dipping a toe back in the industry, it's like, oh, that really is like the currency of being female, Oof, you know? Yeah. So, but you do have to kind of play that game too. Yeah, like, confront that weird reality. Yeah, like I was wearing peasant dresses for like 20 years before that. So. Yeah, no, I wear <laughs> sweatpants at all times. Yeah. Um, it's amazing that I have jeans I mean, on we're today. naked now, yeah. which is something people may <laughs> not realize. Because that's my the method true, right? for why podcasting. why we do an audio podcast. Um, along that regard, uh, the same person asked, what is your most prized possession? Oh, wow. If you happen to have one. Hmm. Or are you a sentimental person? Oh, my gosh. Really? It's, 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 <laughs> I, think, I think it's part of my diagnostic criteria. Um, I'm, I mean, I have a lot of things I'm sentimental about. Mm -hmm. Um 
I have my grandfather's tefillin, which is the, it's a religious item that is okay. used that religious men pray with every oh, day. Wow. Um, and it's, they're these two, they're like, it's so weird to describe, like Jews must sound crazy if people have never heard of this. <laughs> the English word is phylacteries. And they're basically like two boxes. One is placed um, in between your eyes okay. and wrapped around and the other's placed on your arm and wrapped around your arm. So when I was a kid, I would watch my grandfather um, do this process. It's very, yeah. there's a lot of mystical significance to it. And so I have them and they're in a, a oh, beautiful little cool. velvet bag. And so that's something like that I, that I treasure very much. That's, I know it's kind of a weird thing, but. No, I think anything that connects you to, you know, your family is important. Yeah. Do you have things already in mind that you want to pass down to your sons? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have two, I also have my father's set. Uh-huh. So my boys have already kind of like talked about that. Oh, that's cool. Um, and also my older son has, was named for my, my, my other grandfather. So they have the same initials. Oh, gotcha. And so there's like a couple tie pins that, you know, he already yeah, knows yeah. are his because they say MB. Oh, nice. Um, and then the, I do have other things that have my other son's initials. That's also neat about naming, you know, for people who have passed, like you get that kind of, yeah. you know, I feel like those are kind of their, their, their departments of, of the family. Yeah. That's very sweet. Um, you kind of already answered this, but I think it's important. Sexy band geek three, five says, uh, I love your Twitter handle. Um, I'm an 18 year old trans boy. Am I allowed to read her book boying up? You can read either book and even both books. Yeah. Yeah. This is actually something I was asked when I wrote Girling Up. Mm-hmm. Um, someone asked me, we had a really cool Q&A forum in New York and I think it was at the Google offices. And someone said, like, what if I don't identify, you know, and I said, you know, all of this information, we I specifically talk in the book yeah. about gender and the complexity of gender mm-hmm. um, and how there are feminine men, there are masculine women, right. um, there are people who feel that they're not born in the body that they want to be in. And that's something I actually talk about a little bit more in Boying Up. Mm-hmm. And especially because of like the dynamics of male culture and the pressures on men, I think that can even be, you know, in some ways harder. Yep. Um, for, for, so yeah. So the, the, the point is that the book focuses on things that we traditionally associate with men. Yeah. Um, but a lot of things in Boying Up, I really resonate with as kind of a masculine female. Yeah. So I feel like that's also the point. There's a lot of overlap. And now that we live in a culture and a society and a world where we're seeing gender more as a spectrum, I think it's healthier for all of us. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I also consider myself very much growing up a tomboy mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And so I think understanding that perspective is really helpful. And for sure. Like, I don't know, a relief in a way. And I think also, I think it's important for girls to know about boy bodies and boys to know about girl bodies Yeah, and all kinds of people, no matter how you identify to understand just like the physiology of the human body yeah. is amazing. And it's important to know, oh, there are things on the Y chromosome that are actually triggers for certain things to develop. Um, and I also talk about um, hormonal, I don't want to say anomalies, but I talk about hormonal differences. There's a whole box dedicated um, to women who have, you know, um, a Y chromosome. Mm -hmm. Um, there are men who have two X chromosomes as well as like, there's all these different things. Like all of those things occur in nature and they're meaningful. They're meaningful hormonally. There are different hormonal profiles Mm -hmm. that have been found in research about, you know, the homosexual brain, like this, there's real science to this stuff. Yeah. That's fascinating. It's also just something to help you understand yourself, but also I can imagine would strengthen your interpersonal relationships with someone that you're like, Oh, this is how your body works. I thought you were just like being a bitch. Right. Right. And I think, (laughs) and, and I actually, talk about that in particular about, you know, girls periods. Like you don't need to know all the details, but you need to know enough to know that like you want to check with someone before, you know, calling it on the rag. Some girls don't want you to call it that, like respect that. But I think also this notion that like only girls need to know about everything or about emotions or about the kitchen, you know, 
boys need to know those things too. Yeah. Boys should know their Absolutely, way around the kitchen. <laughs> 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 I wish I knew how to cook. Right. And I, it's literally, I was like, oh, do you include? Yes, you include the section about cooking and preparing yeah. food. Yeah. Sure. No, I think that's super important. So basically, we're saying all the books are for everyone. <laughs> Everything's for everyone. <laughs> um, okay. We have a couple more questions really quick. Uh, oh, here's a fun one. Piggy Pie. Wants to know, favorite lesson learned since beginning a YouTube channel? <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's a constant educational it process. It is a constant educational process. And I think that's what you have to learn. Like, just yeah. it, it's kind of like just when you think you figured something out, you're humbled mm-hmm. because you don't. You know, you think like, oh, people want videos just with me dancing. And right. all of a sudden, no one wants to watch yeah. a video of Why me dancing. Why are you doing this? It's honestly, it's very zen. You have to be very zen. Like, no attachment. No yeah. attachment to success. No attachment to failure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it does seem like there's like no rhyme or reason sometimes. About sometimes. What, 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 what is popular and what yep. isn't. Yeah, which can make you crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but if you let go from having to have control over it, Correct. then it can be a little bit more fun. Is there, last question before we give you a gift for being a guest on the podcast, oh. um, is there a video concept or project that you haven't done yet that's like a dream for you to do that's like in either in the works or something that's like, I've been wanting to do a video about this forever and we just haven't done it? Um, You know, I'm... <laughs> I have many. Like, I yeah, have you were saying that you write ideas. too much. That I write <laughs> too much. I think too much. You yeah, know, like yeah. we've got a docket of I don't even know how many ideas I've had that you know I'm just waiting to write. There's a there's a series that some people really love that I would like to continue. It's mm. called Late to the Party with Mayam. Yeah, and honestly, if I had to pick one thing that I would want my YouTube channel to be, I would just do Late to the Party <laughs> because I'm a person that wasn't allowed to see a lot of movies. My parents uh-huh. were very strict yeah. when I was younger, so there's a lot of uh, movies I've never seen. There's a lot of foods I've never eaten. Yeah, there, I've never seen Friends. I've never seen Gilmore Girls. I've never Whoa. seen Melrose Place. Like I've never seen Sex in the City. So like this t- is great. Am I right? Yeah. And I keep saying you it. You gotta develop that series out. I think, and I did like, even I had never seen The Little Mermaid. And I made a video that I loved so much about like, oh my God, she can't speak and he has to fall in love with her? That's crazy. Like, <laughs> all, especially all these like um, Disney children's movies. Exactly. Some of them are just, crazy. They're insane and you're just yeah. as a young child supposed to believe and understand that this exactly. is just what happens so this is what i think would be like yeah. i think it's hilarious because if if i were someone like who had never you know, who yeah. had said like you've never seen star wars like that's what it's like yeah i've never seen top gun we need to make that video you guys gotta do this i'm an <laughs> advocate she of says it. so i'm that? saying yes i'm saying yes to this dress well my thank you so much for being on the podcast thank you um we give everyone um a personalized fortune cookie for oh. being a guest giving us your time okay and you're welcome to open it don't feel like you have to eat the cookie yeah <laughs> they're a little vegan? they're a little stale. oh some oh. of them have eggs some of them don't oh it is vegan oh it is vegan oh it's long much Sem- longer than when i go have chinese food <laughs> wait oh oh don't make me cry. <laughs> do i have to read it all yeah, you, don't, you don't have to you can keep it for yourself Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, Thank you. of course. Thank you for being here. That's going to go on the fridge. Yay. <laughs> um, so if people don't know, where can they find your channel? When can uh, the, when will they be able to get the new book? Okay, the new book. Well, you can get the new book. There's uh-huh. already an Amazon. You can pre-order. You can pre-order. 
it. What a great Amazing. thing to do. Mm-hmm. Great Father's Day gift for the there you people go. in your life. <laughs> um, yeah, it is already available. It comes out in May, May okay. 7th, I believe. Um, my website is grocknation.com, right. which is awesome and fun. Um, let's see. I'm Miss Mayam on mm-hmm. Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm Mayam Bialik on Facebook. Yes, yeah. it's me. Um, what else? YouTube is just Mayam Bialik. Great. Not all the other videos about <laughs> Mayam Bialik. Right, right. Did I cover everything? Got them all. Yeah, that's so it. Go check it out if you haven't already. And we're going to shoot a video that's going to go up on our YouTube channel. So make sure Woo-hoo. you guys go sneak a peek at it. And we'll see you guys next time on another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Not too deep. With Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated. Produced and directed by Jack Ferry. Producer Melissa D. Mons. With writing by Diane Kang. Audio support by Chris Henry. Editing by Melissa D. Mons. And an extra special thank you to Flula for the theme music. 